I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We will help you keep it running thanks to the help we get from uh, the good folks at Lloyd's Automotive in St. Paul. Nick Stoffel is back with us today filling in for a buddy Dan. Good morning, Nick. Good to see you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to ask you, and by the way, if you have a car care question, you can call it in or you can send a text. Let me... Uh, let me give you the phone number and the text numbers. We'll uh, we'll line up those questions. 651-989-9226. Don't wait. If you do have a question, you don't have to be a gearhead either or a motorhead to uh, ask these questions. Although, as you know, Nick, we do get uh, some questions from do-it-yourselfers, and we enjoy that. We do. Last week, we had a couple that were yeah. working on their own vehicles. Yeah. It's really nice to know that uh, people are still willing to venture down that road. Yeah, so to speak. <laughs> Very good. Uh, 651-989-9226. I wanted to say that Nick will be with us till about 745 this morning. So uh, don't wait till the last minute. Please call us now or send uh, Nick a text. That number is 81807 for your text messages. 81807 or call us like folks are doing right now. 651-989-9226. You know, I was looking at the uh, forecast today and it's the high is going to be around 90 today. And you guys are open. Eight until, eight until noon. Until noon. I don't know what can be done. Can you, uh, I was thinking in my vehicle, uh, I thought, you know, black cars, they can still absorb the heat, right? Is that still true? I would say yes, and it's more to do with the interior, not just the exterior paint. Um, oh, inter- interesting. The type of leather seats, we all know, we'd like to yeah. have that car, you know, the the remote starter works really well in the wintertime to get the car warmed up. But if you have black <laughs> leather seats, it might be nice to have the air conditioning on. So when you right. fire the car up as you're walking up to it, it might Knock her down a couple degrees. Indeed. Uh, how do you guys figure if somebody co- comes in and uh, complains that uh, my car doesn't cool like it, it used to? Uh, and what, what's the first thing you guys do? I know you can test uh, the level you somehow. Know, in all likelihood, um, if it's not giving you, you know, depends on the temperature too. Keep in mind, it's there's usually the air condition is a difference of temperature, humidity, and such. So just because it was on a 80 degree day, the vent was blowing up. 40-degree air on a 90-degree day, high humidity, it's probably closer to 50-degree air. So it's, okay. it's trying to battle that uh, the dew point, really. And um, what will happen is we'll develop a, a small leak, which might take a year for it to, de- to deplete the system. So midway through that leak, you start to notice that it used to cool better than it does, um, and especially on a hotter day when you really need that air conditioning compressor and condenser really working in your favor, and it's just not enough refrigerant there to do that. So often, like you said, we can check the level by evacuating the system, see what was in there. Under the hood of the vehicle, there'll be a little decal that'll give you the capacity. So typical vehicle, a pound and a half of refrigerant. If you evacuate a pound, well, you lost one-third of the capacity there. So you refill it with a pound and a half, and the key, what we can do that you can't necessarily do it when you do it yourself is mm-hmm. add that dye to it. Oh, yeah. So there, in the event that it goes a month or a few weeks and it's, once again, not the same, you can go back and look for that dye, which will tell you the source of the leak. Oh, interesting. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Let's go to the phones. Caroline is on the phone. Uh, good morning, Caroline. Good morning. I have a 2012 Lincoln MKX. 
and I'm just wondering, it is pinging when I accelerate. Can you explain what that is and what I can do for that? Uh, you could try a higher octane fuel. What the pinging is is a pre-detonation. I'm suspecting on that uh, Lincoln or a lot of the higher-end vehicles, mm-hmm. they'll recommend using a higher octane fuel or premium fuel. And we've talked a lot about this yeah. in the past, and people say, can I use the lower octane fuel? And I say try. Obviously, you know, I get the fact that it costs more for the higher octane fuel. If the car is willing to get along with you with the lower octane, try it. But one of the consequences of that is that pre-detonation, which is the ignition timing pinging to you. If you are experiencing that, you do need to upgrade that fuel octane level. Now, I I always hesitate. I haven't done that. Uh, I know you guys have recommended to try it if it doesn't. What what can that pinging do to the engine if you... If you go to a lower octane and you're you're having that problem, but don't go back up to a higher octane, what kind of damage? You know, I I, I don't think there won't be any catastrophic damage, but you know, it's hard on the ignition system, fuel economy, fuel efficiency, emissions. You know, the the whole idea of having a computer controlled engine is to maximize its potential, whether mm. it's performance, emissions, fuel economy. And so the computer system's always trying to advance the timing, always trying to maximize it. If it doesn't have the sufficient fuel for that, it can't operate properly. I want to ask Caroline if she's still there. What uh, what kind of, what what grade of gas do you use in that vehicle? I use the the eighty nine, and um, but my book also says that you do not need to use the ninety two octane. So I guess I've investigated it before as well, and it said you don't need to do that, but. I certainly will give that a try, but that—that that is what you're experiencing. I suspect if you try a, you know, it might take a tanker tool to kind of flush everything through. So, you know, for the next two tanks, try the higher octane fuel and see if you notice a difference. If you're not, maybe we have something going on with the yeah. computer system. But I suspect that the check engine light would be on, and there would be some sort of fault information about a knock sensor or something that's not operating properly. And what about sea foam or any of those additives? Is, is that something that's good to use or not? You know, um, I think a lot of those foams or fuel injection system cleaners are not a bad product, um, but keep in mind, uh, you cannot fix a car out of a can. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, so how often do you use that? Matter of preference. Uh, I, I personally don't use it. Okay. Um, some people might try to do it annually or every third tank. I mean, you could do a little research. I think there is some legitimacy to the fact that they do help with cleaning. I think mm-hmm. that is true, um, but I don't know if it's necessary. Thank you. Thanks, Caroline. Good luck with that. Uh, I tell you what, Shell's going to be next. We have to take a quick break, but we have more show to come on our CCO Car Care Show. Nick is in for Dan today, 651-989-9226. There is a line open if you want to fill it, or just send us a text at 81807. And we'll pick up on those when we come back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Denny Long here with Nick Stoffel from Lloyd's Automotive, which is located exactly where? In St. Paul, 982 Grand Avenue. That's two blocks east of Lexington Parkway. Um, If you ever need to give us a call, we're at 651 228-1316. Two two eight one three one six, and if you're in front of your computer, check out our new website at lloydsautomotive.net. L L O Y D S automotive.net. Good deal. Let's go back to the phones. Nick Shell is calling from uh, Minnetonka with a question. Good morning, Shell. Hi, I have a 2000 prison with about 135,000 miles. The check engine light came on. I brought it in to get it checked. Uh, they couldn't find any code 
they took the uh, engine light off and they said, bring it back after about a month more and hopefully a code will appear. Does all that make sense? Well, if the light is on, there should be some sort of fault code stored. It really depends on what tool they're using to access the vehicle's computer system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, anything can happen. The car, you said a 2000, so it's 17 years old. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I've never, I guess I shouldn't say I'd never because I don't remember everything anymore, but um, it, the light really shouldn't be on without there being a code. So if they reset it, it went out, it has not come back on. It don't. did come back on about you know, three trips later. So maybe you should have someone else try accessing that computer system with their scan tool to see if they can retrieve a fault code because there's something stored there. Uh, it's a prism. Uh, I suspect it's probably some sort of evaporative fault code, uh, a purge valve, canister, something along those lines. If it is, in fact, something like that, you're probably not running any risk of getting stranded somewhere. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, if that light is on, that's your only warning. Yeah. So right. something and else. By the way, I can't sense anything in driving the car. It seems perfectly normal, uh, but that doesn't mean any that there isn't a negative issue, correct? Correct. So you just oftentimes people say, oh, it's just the gas cap light. Ignore that. Well, it can come on for that, but it can also come on for many other reasons that could leave you stranded. So well, try somebody different. Try saying. somebody different, a, d- a different computer. You know, you got sometimes you got to go outside the box a little bit. Yeah. Gotcha. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. Joe leaves that line open, 651-989-9226. Uh, let's see, we were talking about um, gas before the break. Texter says, does a car get better gas mileage with premium gas? Some well, people think that. Some people think that, and um, I'll go to the extreme. E85, which is a higher octane, a lot of these, uh, uh, there's a higher alcohol content right. in it. So it's higher octane, and it actually gets uh, less gas mileage, but it produces more power. So when you go to the pump and you see that those... Um, Higher ethanol-leveled fuels are less money. Partially, they're subsidized and such. But you'll find if you were to fill your tank with a, if you have an E85 approved vehicle, first of all, so make yes, sure you don't yes, yes. mix that if you don't. But if you fill a tank with an E85, you'll get X number of miles. And then you go fill it up with a regular fuel, you get a lot more miles. But when you start doing the math on fuel economy and money out of your pocket, it's about the same, except for you have to come back to the station sooner. That's <laughs> a wash. So then. the higher octane fuel, I don't. My opinion is I don't think that the couple of octane is enough to make a big difference, but in theory, the higher octane probably wouldn't get as good as economy. I want to grab one more text before we go back to the phones. Uh, Nick, how tough is it to change the alternator on a 2000 Dodge Grand Caravan Sport? Uh, the, the texter wants to know, is it located in the front or the back of the engine? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I would. You'd have to look. Well, you'd have to. You know, if you pop the hood, it's going to be on the. I suspect the passenger side of the vehicle. Find the drive belt. Um, obviously, a lot of things look similar. An air conditioning compressor will have steel lines coming off of it. A power steering pump will probably have some rubber hoses coming off it to a reservoir. The alternator would be the only component that would have just wires coming off of it. Um, I suspect it's on the front side, probably down lower near near the uh, subframe. Uh, but follow the belt, you know, or Google your vehicle yeah. uh, and find the belt routing, and I'll show you where that alternator is. Sounds good. Back to the phones. Tom is calling from Anoka. Tom, you're on with Nick. Hi. I've got a 1998 Acura, and it, it overheats. I changed the thermostat, and when I turn the uh, AC on, it, it starts to overheat, but the fans come on, and I don't know what else it could be. Well, if it's overheating, obviously 
the engine's not cooling down. So you get a new thermostat in there. Is the coolant for surely, for surely circulating? Is the water pump doing its job? Um, is the radiator doing its job cooling it? If the radiator in some fashion is plugged or restricted, you're not getting enough coolant flowing through there. Um, you, pu- you turn the AC on, you would think that would help because the fans would be on automatically. But if it's still not helping, my best guess is you got a problem with that radiator. Oh, okay. That's your uh, least. That's my, we, from, from on the radio. That's, that's my radio yes, answer. How's yes, that? Yes, very good. All right. Uh, back to the phones. Let's see. Jerry is calling from Greenfield. Jerry, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Say, I have a 95 Buick station wagon with the big engine. And yesterday I went to start it and acted like it was flooded. So I let it sit. And then in the afternoon, I went and started again. And it did start. And it uh, seems to be running fine, but I haven't taken it on the road yet. So I just want to know what your theory is on it. Back to my best radio guesses. Uh, I would say that it's most likely something with the fuel regulator. Um, You know, the fuel regulator is a vacuum-controlled item that has a rubber diaphragm that the engine's vacuum will pull on to kind of adjust the fuel pressure. If that rubber diaphragm were to tear it would suck fuel through there. So when you shut the car off, it's going to take a big gulp of fuel. So when you go to restart the vehicle, the engine's fighting that extra fuel to get it started. So it takes a few moments, or once it starts, it might chug and idle poorly for a few moments and then seem to run fine. If you take it into your mechanic, it should be a fairly simple test for him to check that. And if it is that, you should just have it replaced before you create a bigger problem for yourself. Okay. 651-989-9226. Send a text if you like. 81807. Uh, David's calling in from uh, Cottonwood. David, you're on CCO with Nick. Good morning. Morning. I've, I've got a 2003 Suburban. Uh, my horn went out. I've already gone into the fuse box and replaced the relay, and that didn't fix it. I'm a little reluctant to open the underneath by the steering wheel, but I'm thinking that's the only other place where it can be a problem. Is that correct? Uh, well, first, thing, make sure take a voltmeter. Make sure you have power at that horn when you're pushing the button. Uh, yes, a clock spring is a common item, but you don't want to be ripping the airbag out and taking the steering wheel off if you don't have to. So, bring out the wiring diagram. Start at the battery. Work your way through the switch, through the relay to the horn. Have somebody help you. Have them push down on the pad while you're checking with the voltmeter. If you have 12 volts at that horn when you push the button, get a new horn. If you don't, now we start working backwards. You've already checked the relay. Make sure there's not anything else in series with that that might be creating your problem. All right. Very good. That's a that's a pretty good radio answer right there. Hang on, Nick. I've been practicing. <laughs> we'll uh, take a break. we got more show to come. Keep in mind, Nick's going to be here for about another 15 minutes. Folks on the line, hang on. And the textures will get to pick up on those as well. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Denny Long here with Nick Stoffel at Lloyd's Automotive. Well, we're not at Lloyd's now, but are you going to be there later today? I will not. You that's why not. I'm wearing the shorts. So no, that's right. You have other plans. All right, 68 as you heard the temperature reading. We've got callers. We have texters, Nick, so let's take care of some business here. Bob is waiting there in Maple Grove. Bob, you're on CCO with Nick. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Say, I replaced the uh, front rotors and pads on my 2006 Dodge Caravan, and um, 
I neglected to put the gel that they provide on the pads, and the brakes <clears throat> squeak. Um, is there... Can I take those back off and apply that gel, or should I just live with the squeaks? Well, that's obviously up to up to you. But yes, you can. I would uh, take it back apart. Um, you know, if it hasn't been too long, uh, you probably don't need to do any scuffing at the pad surface or the rotor surface. But just when you take it apart, take a nice uh, a metal brush, something, and knock down all that. Uh, corrosion, rust, debris off the back of the pad that might have been created on the surface of the caliper and then on the slides, those little areas where the pads move back and forth. Then you apply that lubricant on the back side of the pads, inside those slides on the calipers, then reassemble it, and I would suspect that'll take care of your noise because what you have is like metal on metal, you know, and it's really hard to pinpoint that, but if you lubricate it, it should be just fine. Okay. Let's pick up some text messages before it gets uh, too late here. Uh, this is a question about a classic car. It's a 68 Camaro, and it's missing the battery, alternator, and the starter. Where would I find, the texter says, some of these parts? Well, the first thing I'd tell that young man is to talk to his father because his father might know where those parts are. So good morning, Ian. I'm, he's listening to us up at the cabin well, with Grandma and Grandpa. Well, you texter. I do know that. It's my 14-year-old, so he's very oh. curious about the car that I yes. got when I was uh, a teenager. You think he'll end up in the business? Uh, we'll see. You know, we'll we, see. It's a time. <laughs> baby steps. <laughs> Absolutely. No, he uh, he's very curious, which is nice, and you know, encourage him, encourage all the young people that are kind of curious about not just cars, but anything mechanical where you're working with your hands. So good morning, my good buddy, and I'll see you here in a few hours. Okay, very good. Uh, let's see. We've got other textures, too. Where did I leave off? Uh, my dad and I changed, the texture says, our family's oil at our farm. We are in need of some new ramps to get the car up off the ground. What's your recommendation for automotive ramps? I'd like to keep the cost under $100 if possible. What do you think of those ramps? I hate ramps. You, you do? Um, you know, but you, yes, if you, and then my opinion, I, I would spend as much money as possible because it's such a big deal. You hear the horror stories, and they're true. Uh, automotive ramps uh, used properly are just fine. Um, I don't know where to even get them because I, I personally threw mine away. I, I just don't. You don't. Plus, I'd go to work and put it on the well, hoist. That's so true. if you don't have that option, just call around, go to the parts store, make sure when you get ramps, you get some sort of block or some kind of choke to hold those wheels because you do not want that car rolling off the ramps. I can't stress Ooh. that oh, enough. Yeah. Uh, here's a, an issue that I've been trying to deal with, experimenting uh, with. Uh, the texture says this. How do I clean the inside of my windshield, and why is it so foggy, smoky, whatever it is? It's a stratus, by the way, but that really doesn't matter because those insides get – What is? isn't that the, the off-gassing of the, the uh, vinyl and stuff? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's that. Hopefully you don't smoke, but if you do, there's a clue. Okay. Um, and if you're trying to clean and you're losing the battle – it's possible that the heater core might be leaking a little bit mm. and having that fine mist. Even though we're using air conditioning, not the heat, there's still air flowing through that system. And if there's a little mist of or a coolant, antifreeze, getting on the windshield, it will make a mess. You know, like You'll be like, I've been scrubbing this window all yeah. day long and I still can't get it clean. That's because you have something else working against you there. Well, so that's interesting. if that's that person's case, you need to take it and have someone take a look at it. What, what do you guys use? Do you have your special you know, uh, we spray buy, cleaners? Well, we have like that, that uh, Zep40, oh, yeah. that glass cleaner that uh, really looks well. You know, I mean, it's. I just bought some of that a couple of weeks ago yeah. at, at, uh, at a big box store. That it, does work good. It works quite well, yeah, and it uh, makes pretty quick work of it. So, yeah. That's my recommendation. I on saw that. something on YouTube. Somebody was experimenting with like two or three different products 
at the same cleaning, one of which was a, a, some Dawn dish detergent to get that greasy well, stuff it cu- off. It cuts the grease. Yeah. Like the commercial. But it does. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's an issue for a lot. But you're saying it could be. Could be the, a heater core. The heater core issue. All right. Let's see. Who else? I have a 2014 Chev pickup and my uh, air all, all of a sudden quit working. I recharged it with two cans and it quit working in two days. Any ideas? I'm sure it must be some kind of leak, but has it been a has that been a subject on that vehicle? Do you know that particular uh, issue? Not necessarily. It's a pickup truck, so it means the grill is big and wide open. Uh, you know, if you want to try to find one of those cans that includes some dye, not a sealer. We talked about that last week. Do not put a sealer in your uh, air conditioning system because it'll create bigger problems for you. But if you get something with a dye. And if it's leaking that badly, you should be able to see that die pretty easily, I would think. I suspect the condenser, like I said, a big grill wide open in front of the truck, that's yeah. most likely. We were talking uh, about uh, fuel earlier in the show. Texter says this, my wife put some E85 in her vehicle and then realized that it was the wrong gas. She then put in the right gas. Will this hurt the car? Uh, yes, no, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, if it's just a little bit... Probably not. You can water it down. Um, if you, you'll know if you put too much E85 in your car and it's not equipped for it. You know, if it's uh, you know, my, my truck's a General Motors truck and it's E85 equipped, so you can mix it however you like. But if it's not an E85 vehicle, you'll know when you get going because the car won't respond very well. All right. Um, somebody is texting in about. Uh, let's see. Do about nitrogen in tires. What do you think of uh, that uh, issue? Um. It's true. You know, if it's 100% nitrogen, it doesn't change with temperatures. There's no oxygen molecules making a mess of it. Uh, but keep in mind, 80% of the air already is nitrogen. Um, we don't have one of those fancy compressors. Um, I, I know that the, the math and the science says it keeps moisture out. It, 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 it probably is a better thing. But we live in Minnesota. We get corrosion. We get holes in our tires. I'm not sure if it's worth the extra money. Uh, Texter says, hi there. I have a 2004 Toyota Camry. When I started in the morning, there's a big cloud of white smoke. Subsequent starts throughout the day do not, uh, do not have the smoke. My husband thought it was a leaky injector, but mechanic found no evidence of that. They replaced the PCV valve, but that didn't help. It runs smoothly. Gas mileage and oil levels have been unaffected. What are your thoughts? That comes from Karen. My guess is that this person does short trips where the car never really fully warms up or does the exhaust. And I'm, I'm, I'm maybe not 100% factual here, but my understanding is that for every gallon of fuel we burn, the byproduct is a gallon of steam. So if the exhaust isn't fully heated up, the car's not fully heated up, that steam condenses and ends up in the muffler. You fire the car up, you get that initial heat wave coming through the exhaust, it burns that off and shoots it out the tailpipe. You know, we all see it in the wintertime, which is more obvious in the winter. We have that white right. smoke. But if you see it in the summertime, you probably have too much condensation. My tip there is run it down the highway. Go 30 miles down the highway and back, and then try it again tomorrow morning and see what, what happens. Oh, okay. Uh, Tester says, uh, has a 2013 Subaru Impreza. Uh, I think it's not running quite right. Seems to have a times when it drags a bit at lower speeds. Dealership didn't find anything. Yesterday, I got a letter from Subaru saying they are extending the warranty on the CVT. How would I know if there was a problem with the CVT? I'd be curious to see what that letter says, why they're extending it. Maybe there is some sort of uh, a valve body or some sort of 
mechanical failure that they're seeing prematurely. Um, so maybe when they have that description, contact the dealer, describe your problem, and say, hey, would this possibly be coincide with that? Uh, with the CVTs or a newer technology, it's a good idea. It's like the snowmobile. You know, it's, it, and I, in theory, it's optimizing the vehicle's power, efficiency, and all that. We're just not used to them yet, though. Because that's the transmission that doesn't – you don't feel it's shifting, right? Yeah, it's like it, the, the, it's the, like the, an electric motor. It just goes – This goes. Yeah, it's <laughs> adjusting constantly. Oh, okay. CVT. Uh, you know, we have to head out of here. Uh, you guys are open till noon today. That's correct. Uh, give us a couple of ways to get in touch with Lloyd's Automotive. So quickly here, if you're uh, in St. Paul, we're at 982 Grand Avenue, lovely avenue. Um, if you're on the phone or near the phone, 651-228-1316. And if you're in front of your computer, like I mentioned earlier, we have a new website, lloydsautomotive.net, and that's L-L-O-Y-D-S automotive.net. Very good. Nick, have a good week. I'll probably see you there maybe Tuesday. How's that? Perfect. Thank you. Thanks very much, Nick. Nick Stoffel from Lloyd's Automotive. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.